Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In, where the mood is very cheery because the team are off the back of tipping winners left, right and centre on Racing Only Better last week. Not me, of course, but everyone else was banging in the winners, including the likes of Bill Baxter, the Big Bite at 33 to 1, Santos Blue at 6s, Namin Lyons at 4s, Calico was a winner too, just reeling them off. And look, I'm allowed to blow our own trumpet because if I don't, no one else will. So top work from the Racing Only Better crew and, of course, we're filming our Cheltenham preview this week. That'll be the Betfair Cheltenham Festival preview. will be live on all the Betfair digital channels on Wednesday. So you'll be able to watch that and you'll absolutely love it. We're going to have some great content coming your way. And I will be doing that with the boys, as always, who join me on today's call. We will check in with you first, TC. How are you after your excellent tipping weekend? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I see... Um... You affected the market with your Zanza tip, didn't we? We had a we had two or three questions about that. I think you <laughs> tipped him at tipped him at twos, and he went off about eleven to one on Betfair, didn't he? The power of Ryle. Yeah. That is the power of Ryle, right there for you all. And we had I tried to make a joke out of it on social media that went down quite badly. So always remember that jokes go down badly on social media. Um, <laughs> Kev, how are you? You almost had a really, really good weekend with your Colonel horses, but uh, a winner still. Do you have a winner? No, yeah, no, no, no. I had a few winners, had a few winners, but I just keep napping the wrong one, Vanessa. But but we're getting there. We're the, the the gears are grinding. We're we're hit. You know, we're peppering the target. And look, it might just come right in time that uh, come for the Tuesday shelter. Maybe even this weekend. Who knows? We'll get it. We'll get a good old bullseye on a nap. Well, absolutely. And Brendan, were you impressed with the racing any better team performance on the weekend? You couldn't fail to be impressed, Vanessa, but don't worry about the Zanza thing. As I've explained before, it's like trying to trap lightning in a bottle. These, the, once your price goes off into the land of market forces, it can come back unrecognizable. It's like it's been to war in many ways. As, as I mentioned to one of when answering, so, as I as I mentioned one to one of the, I asked one of the questions on that, and I just I referenced the quick wave that you tipped a couple of weeks ago. You know, oh that, well, yeah, no, that that literally. Eight to one. I think it went off nearly twenty-four to one on Betfair SP. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to these drifts. Well, well, I've had some humbling experiences, but what the conspiracy theorists need to bear in mind is that Zanza price is just the opinion of an odds compiler. And with the nature of odds compilers today, there's a, there's a lot of copying and pasting, so you end up with the same price. But that's just one person's opinion. But then it goes off, and it's bounced around a lot of people's opinions. It doesn't necessarily mean that the horse wasn't off. Yeah, fair comment. And just to reflect on that, so Racing the Better team on great form, and that is ahead of the Betfair Imperial Cup this weekend on Saturday and, of course, the Cheltenham Festival. So we are just hitting top form when it's the most important time of the season, which is what we love. Uh, but let's roll on because we do have weekend review to do. We've got lots of different topics to discuss, as always, on this week's episode of Wade In. But we will kick off with our review section, which is a little bit light, as you would expect, with just a week to go before the festival itself but we saw some nice performances and some knock-on effects to the festival markets we will kick off with Namine Lyon uh, who won the grade two novice hurdle up at Kelso the team Kerry Lee it's great to see her with a decent novice hurdler and of course strengthen the Tamaris form as a result means that Tamaris has moved to nine to one the supreme market from tens and Namine Lyon has been cut to 25s from a massive price of 50s for the same race Brendan I think we will treat the listeners and viewers and start with you here taken no. with Kerry Lee's novice hurdler 
Well, it was hard not to be taken. It was a strong staying performance, I suppose, in keeping with his French flat form. Uh, he was second in a, a group two uh, over just short of two miles on heavy ground. So you the, the, the step up the extra couple of furlongs, you really saw it out very strongly. And that might suggest that you would lean towards the Ballymore. But then there is this counterintuitive thing, which, which has some basis given uh, results over the years that having a stamina horse in the Supreme is, is arguably the way to go. Uh, whereas the speed horses go on the Ballymore. So I, I think the, what, what might sway them if they do decide to go to Cheltenham is the Supreme looks the weaker race of the two races. So if, if, if I had a toss up with, with a horse in which race to go for, I would definitely go for the Supreme. Hard, hard to see him winning it, but it, it, a, a, a likeable horse. Uh, they've done a good job with them. And uh, yeah, the Tamora, the Tamora's thing is interesting because again, I know it's hard to be gone on the English novices this season, but that was an impressive performance at Sandin. It was hard to shake the impression that he was idling on the on the way home. And I don't think the Irish Supreme horses are much cop this year either. So uh, the, 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 he'd have to he'd have to have a live chance. Yeah, okay. I don't think the main Lion's going to go to Cheltenham. I think she's yeah, right. talking about Aintree, Punchestown, or Fairy House. Okay. okay, that writes that off then. Uh, do you have any, do you sort of think that the Tamaris form is boosted in the way the market suggests it is, TC? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the fourth in the Tollworth obviously chased home Colonel Harry, chased home Namir Lion here. So, yeah, the form looks great. I did have a look at the Supreme this morning, actually, ahead of our um, Cheltenham preview um, over in Dublin um, in midweek. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, Tamuros, yeah, I mean, it's shortened up a little bit on the back of that. And you can see why we had some questions on that as well. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I can see why it's shortened up a little bit. Yeah. Anything to add on that race that, that all the Supreme Kev? Um, no, not especially. Look, nice for Tamuros to get a bit of a, a form boost, you know, leading British trained hope in the race. Um, like, and in fairness, Day he won when he won at Sandown that day. Like to me, he was quite idle in front. He was better than the bare results. So there, there's encouragement to take. But um, I, I think the Irish still have a, a pretty strong grip on that race. There, I say. Oh, okay. Uh, let's move on to all things Sandy Thompson. He had an excellent Saturday. Uh, he won with Empire Steel and with Benson. We'll start with Benson in the Moor Battle Hurdle. Obviously sets himself up for the bonus at Cheltenham if he was to run in either the Coral Cup or the Martin Pipe, the latter that he is shorter for at 16s. Oh, and he's the same price in the Coral Cup, actually. 16 to 1 for both for a much bigger prices pre this win. Um do we think he's going to go for to Cheltenham for one of the bonuses? Kev, surely those sporting owners and sporting connections hit a bit of form. They must be looking to turn him out quickly for the 100k. Yeah, I think, look, what do you have to lose, you know? Um, why not? You know, it was a good performance. This The horse is clearly booming now. Um, you know, an interesting profile came out of um, Richard Newlands who you'd have to say his strike rate has come back a, a couple of steps in the last couple of seasons. And the horse seemed to go off the boil a little bit for him, came down the weights, switched to Sandy Thompson, and um, is booming forward, has probably come forward to Noah Stone Plus um, this season. So so well done to Sandy and team. And um, like this form isn't too bad at all now because the the, the right sort of horse has been there. Like we, we talked at length about Colonel Mustard coming in, you know, brought some very high level um, handicap hurdle form in, you know, namely the county hurdle from last season that has worked out so well. And um, I suspect this would have been a big target for him. And, you know, maybe got to the front a shade early, but I think Benson was well on top of him at the line. 
And um, yeah, absolutely. Kick on, have a go and uh, see what happens. The county um, or whichever one that they elect to go for will be, um, they'll be tougher than this, but have a whack. Why not? The bonus is there. Absolutely. We obviously spoke at length on Racing Only Better TC about all things Emmett Mullins and those, you know, the sort of hype balls coming into this race was McTighe and whether they were going to focus on this race and then obviously the bonus as they've done before with the shunter. That didn't come off and it didn't really come off in spectacular fashion. And a, a big drift reported before the off on the Emmett Mullins train tours was the drift as significant as it was being preached to us through our television screens. Yeah, I mean, the last five minutes told you everything didn't it and the horse ran accordingly so those of us smart asses who backed in non one and no bet for the boodles will be hoping he doesn't turn up there at 60 61 and <laughs> we're, all not, we're all shrewdies on at 12s and 14s non one and no bet that's one of these things with non one and money uh non one and money back is like you have it and it's a nice concession to have but the worst case scenario is they run, they run shite, and they still turn up at four times the price. So, yeah, that's, that's always a worry. But, yeah, it's a really good training performance with Benson because, um, yeah, he was – I put him up a few times with with, with Newland, um, and he, he got behind his very moody sort. I mean, he's really sweetened him up, and, you know, that was a good performance. And, yeah, I mean, he did, he did name-check the county immediately after that on TV, but um, he corrected himself afterwards and, you know, he's gone for the Martin Pipe or the Coral Cup. And he has got form over further, over two mile four. And he always used to be a really strong star at, at, at two miles with Newland as well. So, yeah, why not? Why not go there? Brenda, would you have any interest in Benson um, completing the double and taking the 100 grand bonus in either of those races? Um, well, like I said, the, the owners seem to want to go for the Coral Cup because uh, they said the jockey did such a great job. And uh, of course, they were in the full flushes of victory. But uh, the, the penalty would be have him at 139. He might just squeak into the Coral Cup. I thought he was a fortunate winner now, I have to say, in Kelso. They went a million up front. Colonel Mustard just lobbed through the race as a proper horse he is. Uh, and I, I'd be I'd be interested in him for the county hurdle, actually, but then he suffered an overreach. So I don't know whether he's going to make it, but he's three pounds higher than one third in the race last year. That was that was a massive effort. I thought, it was, I thought he was the best horse in the race, really, on, on, on Saturday. And he'd have a right chance if he shows up in the county hurdle. Benson, I think the cards just felt perfect for him. I mean, Kelso's a stiff track. They went a million up front collapsed a bit in front and he picked up the pieces for all that he's a for, for all that he's a likable horse I don't think he get quite as um, uh, pleasant a setup in Cheltenham Fair enough fair comment are you a Sandy Thompson fan Brendan? Oh yeah 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 you have to like his horses but whenever I see him see them on the television they're beautifully turned out and they tend to relax very well in their races these are, these are things I just tend to look for in, in trainers I, I, I don't like to see horses that uh, pull hard uh, I mean different trainers train horses different ways but uh, his horses seem to, be, seem to have great temperaments and uh, are always immaculately turned out yeah. yeah Evan was singing the praises of Scottish trainers on our WhatsApp crew after that race wasn't he <laughs> 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 exactly yeah. what he said trainer. 
Yeah, well, I, I don't love any trainer that, that sends out a horse to beat my selection. The Scots got it this time. The Scots got it indeed. And it was Sandy Thompson again with Empire Steel. And this thought time, uh, much less likely for most of the race. And as a result, there was in-running carnage in the Premier Handicap Chase up at Kelso TC. How, bo- how bad was the in-running carnage, please? It couldn't have got any worse. If you back the second, it was a 101 poke. And if you back the, well, it's, it's good in a way if you back to the winner because that traded a thousand. So, yeah, it's extreme as you like. Um, yeah, a lot of people saying um, Harry Skelton had a, another case of premature ejaculation, as they say. Um, uh, no, 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 Tony. Tony, with, with this particular man, it's a case of getting harried away. Oh, oh right. love that. That's much go. better. Okay. That's <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in his defence, I mean, a lot of people were having a pop, and you know, he probably didn't look great, especially as Skelton said before the race that you know they wasn't fully tuned up, and they were looking not to give it, you know, to blow his brains with 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 Atri in mind, but and and wishing and hoping did stop very very quickly, so he was he was out in front far too often, uh, far too, um, you know, far too uh, out in front there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it probably didn't do his his entry um, chances any 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 good there, did it? Really? I mean, there was a few. He's probably around about twenty five to one mark on the exchange too, and that's that's probably fair enough. But they probably had a bit of a harder race than they were hoping there. Brendan, did you think the ride Lamillos got was as bad as everyone seems to be saying it is? Yeah, no, no, things I didn't think I'd be doing, defending Harry Skelton. I mean, I certainly didn't think that the ride on Phlegmatic now the previous week, I mean, how, well, I'm not going to abuse the guy or anything, and his brother seems happy enough to watch him ride his horses, so that's all that matters. But in this case, in this case on Saturday, I would have a lot of sympathy for him. I mean, this was such a weird race. It was like the arc. They were two by two. Uh, the shunter never jumped the fence. Empire Steel was very sticky at his fences, and then the wishing of hope and just falls in a hole, and you're just left there. And what 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 do you do in that spot? I mean, he he, he kicked on very. He kicks on early at every race, basically skeleton, but he, he kicked on uh, very early in um in in Newbury as well, and and the horse was fine. So I think he was he was more a victim of circumstances this week. Yeah, I think he, like we, we mentioned it earlier in the season, like I think he has been trying to adjust this season and, and, and not get harried away quite so often as he has done in the past. But um, yeah, I, I'd be with Brendan. I don't think this was the worst example you'd ever see. Um, it, it was a victim of circumstance to an extent. But look, when you get beat at 101, um, there, there's rarely a jockey in that situation that wouldn't come back in and say, God, I'd love another go. Um, but look, there you go. Um, the real teller will be uh, on the biggest stage um, in whatever it is, eight days, eight days, um, because see, that, that has been the venue of some of the more... Um, some some of the poorer examples of overly positive riding. So we'll wait and see how he fares out there. Getting harried away. I love that. It's like the arc. They went two by two. I didn't, when you started that, Brendan, and said it's, it's like the arc, I thought you were referring to the race for a second. Then I realised we had to have a slight mind shift. Um, now, look, that's the weekend review done and dusted. A bit a bit of a damp squip. Squip. <laughs> 
a bit of a damn squid. <laughs> uh, a bit of a damn squid there because there was so little to go on. But as a result, we've got loads of extra time to talk about all things industry matters. But before we do footsteps of the festival this week, we are just going to push you all towards the Cheltenham Festival preview show, which will be out on Wednesday on all the Betfair digital platforms. So do stay tuned for that because we'll, of course, be going through all the big races, handicaps as well. We'll be following up with chat around the Boodles, the Coral Cup and the County Hurdle, which we, of course, we discussed last week and then throw in the likes of the Ultima, the Thames, the Grand Annual, the Martin Pipe, etc, etc. It'll be all in the Cheltenham preview show and we have a special guest joining us as well. It'll be us four. I can't wait. It's going to be great out on Wednesday. So look forward to that, everyone. Uh, means that we can kind of roll on to, as I said, industry matters. And we'll stick with the weights, Kev, and all things handicap and Cheltenham weights, because of course the weights launch happened this week just gone in somewhat controversial circumstances, which we will get to in due course. But before we do that, reflections on the weights. What were the big takeaways? You've written the column, but summarize it for us, please. Yeah, I think in general, um, look, the focus is obviously always on the treatment that the Irish horses get. Um, and by and large, I, I think as an Irish trainer or an Irish observer, you'd be happy enough. You know, it, it wasn't as bad as last year. I was quite downbeat uh, on, on this occasion last year. Um, I thought they were pretty harsh now in in the context of what we, we've been mentioning for a good season and a half now, the changes in how the British have been handicapping their own horses and being much more lenient with them in terms of the, their introductory remarks and how quickly they drop them, etc. Um, but this hasn't been too bad. Um, the juvenile herders didn't necessarily go the way I thought they were. Well, they were pretty harsh on them. And, um, you know, the median rating given to the British trained horses has dropped quite a bit since last year. The tree, the average differential with the Irish horses has gone up quite a bit since last year. So look, while the Irish look to have a, a pretty strong hand in the race, um, it wouldn't be a shock if it didn't go as well as it has been going for the last couple of years. Um, handicap chasers, like it gets underplayed. I know it's very difficult to kind of say, make an original point, anything Cheltenham related, but I really think it's underplayed for the last few seasons, just how dominant the British are in the handicap chases. And I suspect this will continue. Like if you look back at the, just to take one year, always dangerous, but last year, like there was four handicap chases. You look at the first five, in each of those, there was only two Irish trained runners in those 20, you know, top five finishers. And I'd, I'd expect something similar again this season because there's been no great let up. And you look at the markets for those handicap chases and there's still a heap of Irish horses up the top of them. So like if I was to give, if I was to give you one angle to go head first in at with Cheltenham um, in, you know, markets that are, you know, very well developed and overanalyzed, etc. I would be attacking British trained runners that you like in the handicap chases um, because I think that that will really pay. Um, and the handicap hurdlers, they actually relented a little bit, which surprised me because, you know, the Irish have an edge in the handicap hurdles. I think there's no question about that. Um, so I was expecting them to, to get an even bigger stick out this season, but they didn't. Um, so I think the Betfair Sportsbook, I have didn't ask Barry for an update before we went on air, so hopefully it's still the same, but I asked the Betfair Sportsbook to price up the handicap battle between the British and the Irish um, for the nine handicaps, and they were going 8 to 15, that Irish-trained horses will, would win more handicaps than the British-trained horses, and to be honest, I thought that was about right. Um, I'd be surprised. I, I don't think it'll be a whitewash by any means. I think the British will really hold their own in the chases, but... I can see the Irish, um, uh, you know, being very tough to beat in the hurdles, with the exception of the Boodles, which could be a bit more competitive. 
Okay, nice summary. Brandon, just in terms of the Cheltenham Festival Waits as a general look, was there any notable takeaways you had or anything you noticed, like Kevin? Not particularly. I, I was looking out for the, um, the, 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 the the boodles in particular. Um, and I, I read Kevin's piece. It wasn't obvious to my eye, but then I suppose that's why you have to break down the figures uh, that, that, that the English were particularly well treated. I just... I thought, in particular in that race, I, I thought it was very difficult. It's so hard to sort of quantify the gulf between the Irish juvenile hurdlers and the English juvenile hurdlers, that even a couple of pounds here or there, the, the level is so much lower in England. I, I still wouldn't have, have any hope for the English horses and the boodles, uh, despite Correct. the fact that, they, they, I, and I understand exactly why they're trying to correct it, but it's, it feels like a bit like a finger in the air stuff to me. Great, great. I mean, uh, what a positive thing to have to listen to if you're a t- team UK, such as myself. Well, it's ju- it's just in, the, in 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 that particular race. It, it just it just just in that particular race. But, uh, um, I, but I, I may I may have missed something. Okay, um, and now TC, we can get on to the debacle that was the festival weights in terms of how they were released, because of course there was an official swanky press conference slash lunch where the weights were going to be officially released, um, but instead they were leaked in inverted commas twenty four hours before and ended up being in kind of like the semi public domain. I think it's fair to say if you knew, basically if you knew the right people, you could see the Cheltenham festival weights a good twenty four hours before the press conference took place. The BHA are now looking into who leaked the weights and how they were in the wrong hands over 24 hours before they were meant to be. I mean, to be honest with you, this is one of those stories where, TC, I feel like you're very aggravated by it, whereas I slightly feel like the BHA have always been a bit leaky. There's been loads of leaks about loads of different things in the past. There's not caused some sort of big um, investigation, whereas this Cheltenham Festival weight seems to have got everyone in upheaval. It doesn't aggravate me. It just it just frustrates me about how incompetent it is because under the conditions of the handicaps, they were meant to be released on midday on the Tuesday. And it started coming out on Sunday and Monday. They were actually going to put them back 24 hours so they could have the unveiling uh, at Cheltenham, you know, have the trainers there and Nick Luck hosting, etc. So, no. That in itself, why why it was put back a day, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Nicky Henderson and Harry Fry and a lot of other people were galloping their horses at, at, at Kempton on Tuesday morning. But I mean, it all it all you know it all kicked off because I was like told on Tuesday that all the handicap weights were were, were doing the rounds, um, and you know, and the BHA they're investigating. I got I got in touch with Robin Mouncy on. Saturday morning and if you go and have a look at his comments I mean it's quite clear that even though if the BHA were the weights it was the jockey club that were maybe being given the uh, given the weights to certain publications and certain people uh, on request on Tuesday now you know I, I know for a, I've seen I've seen correspondence which suggests that you know the jockey club were giving them out to certain people on Tuesday so I don't think the BHA investigation are going to are going to take very long, and but you know people just say, oh, it's only the weights and whatever. But but you know these are it's a big thing. They're having they're having the unveiling on the on the Wednesday, and and as Kevin's article, you know, and Kevin admitted that he got them on Tuesday, and, and that's where 
you know, there was some Ruby Walsh went on road to Cheltenham and and, and name checked Kev there and and said it was he was not on and it isn't on. I mean, but a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't matter the weights here, but. You know, Kevin also said in his article, he's pointed out, you know, some Irish horses were getting 11 pounds more than their, you know, English mark and other horses were being left on the same mark. So, of course, of course, it looks bad. Um, and, you know, it's it's just it's just it's just incompetent. And the whole the whole of the the whole of the weights we, we had a, 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 a had some questions on this last week as regards to the Grand National weights and, you know, embargoes, etc., and you know, I, I I actually I watched Road to Cheltenham on with Lydia and, and Ruby and two BHA handicappers on Thursday, and the whole thing's just a mess. I mean, I mean the English handicappers say you know they concurrently rate all the Irish all the Irish races etc., but they can't put them out there on on a weekly basis because they haven't got the technology. Now, come on, I mean you can't even give a list of horses out. And it's just, you know, an Irish, he's just, and, you know, the handicapping was saying, oh, we can, we give all the, all the Irish, uh, our English marks out to the Irish trainers on request. It's just an absolute mess. I mean, just, just publish the ratings for, for the English and Irish, you know, every single week. So we all know where we stand and none of this cloak and dagger stuff. None of these, oh, we'll unveil the weights on Wednesday, but we'll give them out on request on the Tuesday. It's just an absolute and utter mess. I mean, this is the biggest four days, betting four days of the year. And it just looks terrible that you know, certain people can get the weights before the public. Uh, it, it's just a bit embarrassing, isn't it? It doesn't aggravate me as such. It just frustrates me. And it's just, it's just, an, just the malaise of this kind of like, you know, this operation. It, it's just. I think that that's fair. It's fair to be frustrated when you put it like that. Brendan, were you were you frustrated in the same sort of way? Well, I, I mean, I think they have come out now and said that next year, well, lessons have been learned, but that's a lesson we're always learned. But uh, they have come out and said that next year they're going to uh, release them on on the day that they're published. So that would be a help. But I'm just curious about the meeting that goes because I got them on the Tuesday. Uh, now, and I basically, well, I Jesus actually, Christ! If you got them on the Tuesday, the job's fucked. Well, well, well it's it's not Vanessa because it, you, what you have to understand, and what the BHA clearly don't understand, is the nature of virality. I am in WhatsApp groups. I actively try to get out of them. I mute most of them, to be honest, which is all guff. But anyway, I'm in these WhatsApp groups, so it only takes one person. Like the BHA have this meeting, and they go, "Oh yeah, well." If certain people request them on the Tuesday, we'll give them to them because they'll probably keep them to themselves. <laughs> they, they, they just won't. That's not the that's not the nature of people. They'll send it to one person who'll send it to ten people, and before you know it, I'm getting them. So yeah, so I just I just I don't I don't understand how you would have that meeting and think, oh yeah, I would only be a few people because nothing ever goes viral. Uh, so it, it it does seem it just it it, it, it seems. I, I just can't understand how you could have that conversation or, or be in an email thread. This is what we're going to do. And and no one would say, well, is there is there any chance that it could be relayed more times than we expect? But uh, anyway, lessons have been learned and hopefully it'll be better next year. But it certainly uh, it wouldn't encourage you in, um, in, in terms of how, how, how they talk, how they discuss issues. <clears throat> and there will be further issues down the road. And... Are, are they actually talking to one another? Are, are, are people playing devil's advocates in this situation? It doesn't, I mean, it's a terrible thing to just come on and abuse them every week, but 
It doesn't seem a particularly well-run organization to me. In in fairness, Vanessa, this whole thing, we we can wrap it up fairly quickly. The whole thing is just an extension of a wider transparency issue, isn't it? Because like we see lower profile examples of this literally every day with the BHA in that um, entries and declarations aren't visible nearly as quickly as they need to be. Uh, And you have people with racing admin accounts relaying decks, et cetera, onto Twitter and that. And it's like deeply unsatisfactory. And we've highlighted it endless times and they don't see fit to change it. And then they extend that, that tendency towards lack of transparency to something like this. And like, I, it's like, I found the whole thing hilarious in the fullness of time because I was completely oblivious to how apparently secretive this was. Like, say someone sent them to me at 10 a.m. in the morning, knowing that I write an article about these and would want them. Um, I write this every year and I got it at like 10 a.m. or whatever. Um, and it would have been third or fourth hand by the time I got it. I, I assumed the whole press room had got them under embargo. So I didn't think I was receiving this, 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 you know, holy grail at all until the following day. And Ruby went nuts and wrote to Chelten, which was great, t- which was a great TV in fairness. And he was 100% right. You know, it is deeply unsatisfactory. And if you, if you, if you wanted to see them and you couldn't see them, you could understand why one would be annoyed. Um, and like Brendan says, it's impossible to keep a secret, <laughs> especially when you're when you are giving it out to your trusted friends and acquaintances uh, who yeah. also have lots of trusted friends and acquaintances. Um, so, look, it's a mess. I think lessons have been learned. I, I did laugh literally out loud when I read the article from the BHA saying that they're going to launch an investigation into this leak. Like, as you say, Vanessa, there's been some horrific leaks out of the BHA, you know, relating to way more serious things than this. You know, the Brian Frost, Robbie Dunn case. Remember the leak that got leaked? you know months before it was concluded the, the bloodstock review same thing like and there was no investigation there because guess what <laughs> that came properly from the BHA whereas in this case it was probably someone else that was at fault so the BHA are happy to be to get their sword of truth out and uh, yeah. launch an investigation to right all the wrongs it's quite it's, it's quite funny I got shades of with Nail and I when Brendan was talking they said I got the ratings by mistake it's kind of like you know the, the with Nail line is oh we've come on holiday by mistake <laughs> I love all like, like look, it's 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 not a huge deal. Like look, there's obvious scope for for insider trading in uh, in live betting markets, which is clearly a bit more serious, but. Um, look, hopefully they've learned not just their lesson in this individual case, but that lads, it's 2023. Maybe it's a good idea to be a little bit more transparent about our whole entry declaration situation because there's very little reason. Not to, unless I'm completely missing something. And I'm in and out of these systems day in, day out for a long time. And I don't see any downside. Agreed. Um, I love the lessons have been learnt line. I always think with that, you can literally <laughs> get out of all but murder charges with, well, yeah. lessons have been learnt. You know, yeah. if, if, I, if I get a bollocking for something from a boss and I go in and I say, lessons have been learnt, like, what can they say? And that's such yeah. a good line to come out with. It's just like, lessons have been learnt, lads. Let's we, move we, on. We need to move on. We need to move on. We do. Um, let's move on to somebody else who might be learning lessons. All things Julie Harrington. Uh, we're sticking with the BHA here. Uh, um, Julie Harrington is coming under the microscope because of her performance on Luck on Sunday. 
So just for anyone who hasn't seen this yet, you can go and watch it. I'm sure Nick Luck did a Zoom interview with the BHA chief executive, Julie Harrington. This was actually off the back of, it sort of rewinds back to a Paul Nichols interview I did with Betfair as part of Betfair's um, Cheltenham Festival preview content. It was a sit-down interview with Paul Nichols. I started off by asking him about the whip and he let rip and gave the BHA both barrels essentially and he's a 13-time champion trainer so of course that caught a few headlines as a result Nick Luck picked up said interview not that he gave it a name check but we'll forgive you that lucky and he then went on to this interview with Julie Harrington and quoted back to her what Paul Nichols had said in said Betfair interview and as a result they got talking about all things whip sort of public perception the state of British horse racing etc etc if you haven't seen the interview you will be able to go watch it on the racing tv website and you can judge for yourself about whether Julie Harrington put in a performance of real credit I think maybe um, but I think it's fair to say that some people came away from the viewing um not overly impressed with the BHA's chief executive. So I want to ask our panel, what was everyone's takeaways from the Julie Harrington, Nick Luck interview? Who shall we start with? Kevin Blake, let's start with you. Was it a positive or a negative for you in terms of Julie Harrington and her role at the BHA? Look, it wasn't. It was a slightly kind of... Confused performance in places, wasn't it? It seemed that it was hard to follow. It was a little bit, seemed a little bit contradictory in places. Um, and look, should I suppose one of the main criticisms around Julie is that she's been in the job a few years now, and she just hasn't been very public facing. You know, like like in fairness to Nick Rust, look, I think anyone in that gig is always going to get plenty of stick, and Nick got Nick copped his share. But in fairness to him, personally, anyway, I, I never questioned his intentions and he was always prepared to, to put himself out there and um, and, and take the flack and, and defend himself and his, his organisation, etc. And you, you just get the impression that, that Julie, um, for all, she, she's extremely well qualified and everything else just is behind the sofa quite a bit. Um, and doesn't want to front up to these issues when they arise. You know, this was a pre-recorded interview. You know, I don't think that's a great look in itself. I know there was perhaps logistical issues there with, I think, Nick's out of the country, etc. But just the, the the optics of a pre-recorded interview in a situation like this just isn't super. Um, and, it, you know, I think Nick, Nick, Nick probed away there and a lot of political answers, which I think in this day and age just frustrates people. You know, it's like listening to a politician. You ask a direct question and you, you get taken around the houses and you don't, you don't get you don't get an answer either way. Um Look, I, this is a mess. I, th- I think we're all, we would all agree that it's a mess. Um, maybe the the destination will be worth the journey, but geez, the journey could have been, could have had a whole lot less speed bumps in it if it was executed a little bit differently. You know, one of her, one of her lines was, um, you know, essentially there's no paraphrasing. There's never a good time to make a change and change is always difficult, but surely, surely anyone could see that introducing these new rules um, at the beginning of each season, you know, beginning of the new flat season, beginning of the new jump season would have resulted in, I'm not saying it would have been bump free, but it surely would have been smoother. You know, we're, we're eight days away from the pinnacle of national hunt racing. And the dominant narrative is, God, I hope there isn't a disqualification. And all of us are going to be watching these races 
with her with her with her with her fingers out counting. And that's just that's just not good. You know, and look, there's an element of misdirection in this too. Like we're all focused on the whip, but geez, like we're there's so many underlying issues in British national racing now that you know they, they'll be hoping uh the Cheltenham Festival plasters over by you know it being a hit, etc. But um, my god, the British national racing are facing some massive, massive issues, and the whip is only the, the tip of the iceberg. So I think all involved are gonna have to be an awful lot stronger. Um, show a lot more backbone to, to paraphrase Paul Nichols um, if they're going to have any chance of, of reversing the slide uh, just to throw a quick example there for a, for a little bit mischievously in, in my article this week for At The Races I'm hypothetically imagining what the Cheltenham Festival would look like if all the ferry companies went on strike next week and the Irish didn't make it over and oh my lord you want to see the, the rundown of the grade one races and how they'd look you know, 10 to 1, I've done tissue prices as well, 10 to 1 on faves, 6 to 1 on faves, 4 to 1 on faves, races that you wouldn't cross the road to watch. Um, at the, This is at the pinnacle of national racing. Like the, the sport in Britain is in a shocking state and they really need to sort out this quick mess and move on to the way more important things such as the programme because um, I don't think sitting on their hands and hoping it'll get better is going to work anymore. Um, and they need, they need to get onto it and they, they're going to need strong leadership and you'd worry that they don't have it at the minute. Would you share similar concerns, TC, with the strong leadership line that Kevin has just finished with there? Yeah, it was just depressing interview, wasn't it? Um, I found myself, I watched it live uh, and I went back and watched it again in its entirety this morning. And I'm still rewinding, trying to find what she thought of certain issues because it was full of the marketing speech, uh, speak full of waffle. It's just full of nothing. Um, like Kevin said, it was contradictory in, in major parts. You had to be dragged kicking and screaming to give an answer on the, um, the, you know, the, the airbrush uh, over the whip of the Apple Tart from, from jockey club race courses. I mean, he had to press her three or four times on that. And then eventually she came out and said it's perhaps something they you know wouldn't have do wouldn't do again, you know she should have come out and said that straight away. It just it just comes across as weak and I, like I say it, it really it really really is depressing. And what we what we've got with the whip next week is um, it's not only and I'll come on to a story that I was being given this morning. And I'll come to that moment. It's just not the, you know, the, the viewers. It's not going to be the TV stations that are going to be watching this for, for, you know, for horses potentially being disqualified. It's kind of like every single participant of um, all the place horses, for example. If, if the winner's there, if you're the second, third or fourth horse, you're going to be looking at the winner and thinking and just counting them. And if they hit anywhere near 10 or 11, you know, you, you know, people of the play sources are going to be putting in appeals against that. They're going to be going to be challenging. They're going to be objecting behind closed doors. I know it's going to be delayed a week for the disqualifications, etc., and the results on the day will stand. But you're going to get, you know, the plate, you know, the trainers and the owners of the of the play sources looking at the looking at the winner, counting them from start to finish of the races, hoping they're going to get to the magic number of eleven. So they'll object. They'll challenge. They're not going to wait for the BHA to, to do that or the stewards. It's just a completely sorry state of affairs. And, and one thing that really annoys me about all this is people going about, oh, yeah, jockeys will get used to it, etc. 
But that's that, that misses the main point. The, these wit rules make racing less competitive. And, you know, I'll let Brendan ha- have his take before coming on to, you know, the story I mentioned. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it is a mess. Well, we'll come back back to you, TC. But, Brendan, yeah, just your take on Julie Harrington, that Luck on Sunday interview with Nick. Um, you know, to sort of slightly counterbalance it, Julie Harrington is trying to steer the sport of horse racing here in the UK through its choppiest waters ever, I think it's fair mm. to say. Um, mm. Obviously, she's the forefront of it. She's the chief executive, but there's a hundred different advisors and people below her making decisions on such a likes of airbrushing and whip rules, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to pass the buck with her, but to summarise, I mean, you literally wouldn't pay me diamonds to do the job Julie Harrington is being asked to do currently. And um, she's just, it's a tough place for her right now. And yes, I I do think she could be more public facing. We could see more of her and I think she could be stronger, but I just don't underestimate the challenge she has currently on her plate, I guess. No, I I, I mean, I take that point. I wouldn't be able to do the job either, Vanessa, but that's because I'm a bit weak. But I worry that Julie is is a bit weak and she's not going to cut these 100 advisors down to 50 advisors, is Uh, is she? As as we know, um, a camel is a horse designed by committee. And this is half the the problem with the the way they go about things. Um, I would say just in terms of, again, if I was going to say something nice about her, as a fudge, I think this is a complete disaster because she's come out and said, oh, there are passionate... There are, there, there are passionate advocates on both sides of the whip debate. I don't think that's the case. I don't really see the ma- massive passion from the side that wants to get rid of the whip. Uh, uh, they're certainly in the minority, and I, I don't even see them as being particularly vocal, but, but whatever about that. But in terms of a fudge, if you've backed yourself into a corner, I think the idea that uh, we won't disqualify the horse on the day, thereby not affecting betting markets and not compromising the product for punters, but we will disqualify them a week later is actually the way to go. If, if you want to change behavior, that's the way to do it. If you disqualify them on the day, the punters will just in droves, they'll just be up in arms. Uh, so you can't do that. But it, again, I don't think there's any need for this. But if I was going to say, we are going to change behavior, I, the way I would go about it is disqualifying them a week later. Okay, fair. Uh, Before we move on from the whip debacle that is TC, let's just go back to what you were referencing there. Obviously, we're another week in with the new rules. And what are your takeaways or what examples do you want to bring up? No, I I mentioned, uh, obviously, jockeys minding themselves and being very, very conscious that, you know, the disqualifications or, you know, the massive whip bands they're getting because, you know, they are getting, you know, four to eight days for you know, going one over and, you know, for very minor offences, if we all made mistakes in our our lives and got, you know, a week on the sidelines, you know, everyone would be kicking off. But uh, no, someone texted me this morning, someone who I 100% trust, so I've got no reason to doubt this story whatsoever. And they just said, look, if you're talking about, you know, you know unintended consequences of, of these whip rules and how it's making it less competitive and, you know, punters might start reacting to this. They, they pointed to the example of Circus Act at uh, Doncaster last Friday. Now, it was Gavin Bruder uh, came over from Ireland. Uh, he was on a four to five shot in a driving finish, and this, and he got ended up getting beat ahead, I think. And but the stewards had him in because he looked to 
stopped riding a half a furlong out. Uh, so they had him in, and Gavin Bruder said, "No, I didn't stop riding. I just, um, I just collected my horse up, and and, and said, and I, the reason why I collected my horse up and reorganised is, is because I hit the horse seven times, and I knew I couldn't hit it again, and so the stewards in, so accepted that explanations noted. But what they didn't know, and I've been told this, and I said, oh." The BHA stewards might come out and say that's not the case, but I trust 100% the person who told me this, and he'd be in a position to know as well. Gavin Bruder told the stewards the reason why he appeared to stop riding, regathered his mount up, is because he, he knew he'd already hit the horse seven times and he knew he couldn't hit it again because he, you know, he'd, and then he'd, he'd get a four to eight day ban or whatever. So, but the stewards didn't include that in the report. Now, why is that? Where's the transparency there? Now, it's unbelievable that, that they would have that kind of foresight because I, it was only when you mentioned it, I never noticed this at the time. I actually saw that, right? You could almost see at one stage his head goes up in the air. Uh, Gavin Bruder's not the horses, as if he's gone, oh, was that six or seven? And it's, it's only for a second. I mean, he, may, he, he barely stopped riding for a second, but in a close that, finish. Yeah. But, but for the stewards then to, to get together, this is actually what they should have done when they were releasing the weights, got together. And, and then they said, well, if we put this in the stewards' report, it's going to look bad. But now, if they don't put it in the stewards' report, and the word gets out, it looks worse, of course. Yeah, because they know well, they know it's an issue, and they don't want to talk about it. I went back and had a look at the ride. He gave it one before the last two, and then six after the last. Mm. And then you can see him there. I mean, that horse—if he'd given one or two more, that horse would have won. And we are talking about competitive. Well, put it this way: it wouldn't. You know, he. I, I think I looked at the ride and I think he would have done because literally for the last hundred yards, he is actually pretty much minding that horse. And with no encouragement from the saddle, that horse is actually closing again on the line. This is a four to five shot in a race. The crux, the crux is the crux is that it's why wasn't it in the stewards report? Mm. That's the yes, crux of, course, of the matter. Yes. Mm. But they'll, they'll just say, oh, well, it didn't happen. But I was told 100% Bruder told the horses is because I hit the horse seven times and that's why. I did what I did, and I appeared to stop riding. You know, okay. so well, look. Like I said, it's probably, it's probably just for, oh, that's seven. So that's seven. I've got to stop. So yeah. you, would, you would freeze for a moment to yeah. you yeah. gather your thoughts, wouldn't you? Let's move on. Um, obviously, you know, hearsay, uh, not, it's not hearsay. You obviously 100% trust who's given you that information. But um, we shall see, I suppose, in a bit more time. Um, let's move on. Kev, we'll bring you back in here. You've been remarkably quiet for all things whip related, but you're probably just tired from singing from the same hymn sheet. So instead, you can talk to us about all things Dennis Egan, the ex, well, the former chief executive of the Irish horse racing regulatory body, um, who it's come out that the Public Accounts Committee is going to investigate his what's been described as an extraordinary exit package, which he managed to secure when he left his role at the IHRB. Uh, and apparently it was an exit package that was kind of almost 150k over what was approved by the regulator, as far as I can tell. But you can expand on this story, someone getting a nice tasty package that others may not have got. Yeah, I'd say this is a, this is a story that is not going to go away too quick. Um, to kind of nutshell it, there back in 2021, um, the IHRB announced internally that there would be an early retirement uh, redundancy package available for anyone that wanted to avail 
And um, shortly afterwards, Dennis Egan, the CEO, decided that he wanted to avail of early retirement himself. But in the the the, the terms of these schemes, um, it was said that they it was basically restricted to a, an absolute maximum, a no exception maximum of two years worth of salary in terms of the the pay, the, the golden handshake one would get if availing of the scheme. And uh, the CEO, the, the big the man of the big job, Julie, took early retirement. Um, and he got a package of uh, €384,870, which um, seemingly equates to 58% more than the maximum permitted under their own um, you know, terms and conditions, essentially. So this has caught a lot of people's eyes. It was in the, the IHRB's annual report for 2021, which was only revealed the other day, which is a matter in itself in that, you know, that's a huge um, lag in um, it's their first annual report. Um, some of the scrutiny that they've been getting in recent years, they were basically told, yeah, you, you, you lads have to start compiling annual reports. And uh, here we get it um, 15 months after the event, but that's another issue. Um, and look, I think this is going to get a lot of scrutiny. Um, a lot of the IHRB's funding comes from um, essentially the well, it comes from HRI, which in turn gets that their funding from the taxpayer. So this is going to be heavily scrutinised. Um, an IHRB spokesman has come out and said that the additional funds um, came from the the turf club, which still exists in one form or another, and the Irish National Hunt Steeplechase Committee. And thus, it wasn't public money, but. Look, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be scrutinised. Uh, the financial relationship between the Turf Club and the the INSC, INHSC, and the IHRB. Um, there's already been some questions asked on it. And look, look, I think this is going to get some pretty heavy heavy scrutiny. It's it's uh, their headlines that don't read well. Um, we're getting quite a bit of mainstream coverage um, in Ireland. Um, surrounding HRI and the IHRB um, relating to how they're using their funds, given that a lot of it is public money. Um, so I, I think this is going to run and run. Uh, and yeah, it, it does not read well at all. Okay, it is going to run and run. So no doubt we will be talking about it on Wade In in episodes to come over the following weeks and months by the sounds of it. Uh, should we move on to a bit of question time because we've got some good ones. Uh, I thought we'd throw to you first, Brendan, for this first mm. one. Brian Gold has asked, as my favourite bunch of trends deniers, what festival mm. stat do each of you dislike the most? You're not allowed to say them all. And this is just for his own interest, says Brian. So come on, which festival stat do you really dislike, Brendan? I mean, I don't have a particular, they completely pass me by these stats because I am of the opinion that the big ball keeps on turning. And that is not to deny the lived experience of stats fans. There are probably plenty of stats fans out there who are more successful at punting than I, but it's not so. So the, the age thing, but when, when people will be talking about horses of a certain age, and you know the way this can kind of go in fashion, like French horses come along and they do they they, they do think things at a younger age. And then maybe you might get a cycle where the later developing point to point horse Horses are coming along and just in general the trend towards top level national hunt racing is towards horses peaking earlier uh well well sorry not staying at the top as uh, deep into their careers so there might be something in that but again it might change in 10 years and this is the problem i have with trends so uh not to question your your steerage of the ship but i think i was probably the worst person to ask that question 
I just thought that you'd have a strong opinion because you tend to on all these. Oh, um, no, uh, I, it, it just uh, when people start talking about trends, I zone out. You zone out. Good to know. Yeah. And you, it's funny you mention the age one being right up there with something you'd really zone out on, because I remember coming onto this show in relatively early days and I made a point about something like, I don't know, eight and nine year olds having a bad record in a race. And I was rightly very quickly shot down by Tony Calvin, who was having absolutely none of that bollocks at the time. Uh, it's, it's been, I'm very much similar to, um, uh, to Brendan that I, I don't pay any attention to them really. Um, I did go back and ask Brian, who, who does a brilliant, um, brilliant website. And he asked a question to us because his daughter, I think he runs a website is asked to get some feedback on this and, I think she might be disappointed by the sounds of it, but it's, um, I said, what's your number one stat then? He said, my number one stat is that, you know, it's, it's for the reader to decide. And, um, ages, 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 an obvious one, isn't it? I mean, I mean, if, if you laid Croco Bay at 66 to one in, in the grand annual in 2019 on, on the basis is a 12 year old and couldn't win, you know, you'd probably, uh, set fire to any stat guides wouldn't you and there'd be people taking shishkin on on the grounds that he's nine year old in the ryanair but no i don't pay much attention to to trends um um i'm sure they have a lot of uh, you know validity but not for me Kev, trends man yeah, Brian, Brian's a top man now, but uh, the the one I would pour the most scoring on is one that you've wheeled out before, Vanessa. I'm fairly sure the record of favourites. Oh, oh, yeah. The record oh. of favourites. Oh. <laughs> I love that one. In, in a race where favourites have an excellent record, you know, you'd be, all, you'd, you'd be all over the morning, Fab, until it drifts slightly and get, gets usurped in the market. Then it's got no chance. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole <laughs> thing about that stat. It, it doesn't take any it, it, it takes any account the actual market moves on the day. Yeah. Oh, imagine, imagine you had three horses competing for competing for Fab in, a, in a, an apparently Fab favoring race. Imagine the amount of backing and laying and ducking and diving you'd be doing as they uh, as they do the old Big Mac flip flop on the market. It'll be, the, um, <laughs> be going to we'll have to we'll have to um, the deciding factor will be obviously like with a toe it'd be the one with the shortest the one with the shortest bright <laughs> race card number who goes off Fab. <laughs> Oh, what if there's oh. joint fabs? Oh, Jesus. Joint fabs. <laughs> it's a complete spin, I must say. Um, it's important to remember just very, very briefly that whatever whatever you do as a punter, if, if you rely on stats or whatever crutches you rely on, just whatever helps you not go on tilt. That's what you should use. <laughs> okay. The only thing about stats is people wheel them out to actually just fit there or they ignore them. Until they are helpful. Oh yeah, there's a great, um, there's a fantastic, there's a fantastic saying about this, isn't it? You know, um, statistical analysis is like a lamppost. Um, some people use it for illumination, but other people use it use it for support. Um, yeah, and you, you do. It's, it, I, I've butchered that, but you, you get the you get the uh, the crux of it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, Barry's telling us to move on, so we better had to. Uh, Anthony Wignall has asked: Should Cheltenham offer the biggest prize money across the board, handicaps, novice hurdles, etc., given it's the pinnacle of jumping? The Martin Prize yeah. is worth buttons. Kim Muir National Hunt Chase, etc. The Betfair hurdle at Newbury is worth more than the county. 
Well, it's a factual fact, and you see this in British racing a bit, actually. Now they're, they're trying to remedy it a bit, but it was actually married in Royal Ascot for quite some time that um, some of the handicaps there like were, were really disappointing um, funds, and you, you get that at Cheltenham as well. And sure, look, like a lot of things with the Cheltenham Festival, they're, they're heavily leaning on the, the prestige it holds. And they're they're probably somewhat logical thought that ah look lads we could run for sixpence and you know people would still turn up, but um, yeah, it's dangerous to take these things for granted. It really, really is. It is, but I can I can see their thinking. Why would you throw prize money at it when it's not going to increase the competitiveness of the races? Because the competitiveness of the races is already there for the prestige that goes before it. So, but will it I, stay there, Vanessa? Will it remain if you keep if you keep extracting the Michael? Will will well, they keep that, coming? That is, and that, that, is, that, that that applies to both race scores and connections. Yeah, yeah. No, no, look, no one wants to be taking the mick out of, like you say. Uh, on we go to Gary DC, who has asked, is the one good thing that has come out of the whip changes is the consistency of the decisions, question mark. Is it time interference is dealt with by the same panel so we lose the dreaded, the stewards decided no riding offence was involved? Um on the basis that you're the man who bangs the drum about how we wish interference was dealt with in even relatively the same way the whip seems to be yeah just very quickly if you you go to the very beginning of julie harrington's interview with nick luck and just play that out very very early in the opening minute or two she delivers a line about the importance of fairness with regard to the whip rules and that if one uh one participant in a finish stays within the rules and another doesn't you know the importance of fairness and if you if you cut off the very beginning of her point she could and should have been talking about the interference issue uh, but she's talking about the whip and of course um, our correspondent is correct there and I hope um, I hope that will come to pass because what I was told um, privately like uh, quite a while ago now was that the BHA realised that the interference issue like it has got quite out of hand and that they wanted to deal with the whip first and then move on to the interference issue via perhaps another another consultation <laughs> and then go, go about it that way so look it might, it might look one hopes that it isn't the case of too late now because there's you know we don't see as much of it on, in the national hunt thankfully but um, we're going to go into another flat season now in a matter of weeks um, with the interference issue still uh, like an absolute mess so yeah. hopefully they, it, it's a bit more of a speedy process than the whip was. And it can be, I, I could resolve it for them overnight if they, if they let me do it. Um, just uh, triple your punishments overnight, uh, send them through to the, the, the independent panel to sort out what, what, what's an offence and what isn't. And um, uh, Bob's your uncle, et cetera. But I fear it'll be a much more prolonged and drawn out and um, they'll probably get it wrong the first three times before they get it right type of, uh, type of setup. Okay, um, let's move on to Tom Collins has sent in a question. This one's for you, Tony, or it can come your way. Is it just me or is there loads of advertising of tickets for Cheltenham? Do any of the panel have an intel on sales? It feels like people might be voting with their feet and crowds could be down a bit on days one to three. Interesting. I I don't know about the advertising, um, but I do know I got a a leaked memo from the jockey club actually oh, uh, internal memo um in oh, last month actually in february saying they did some predictions about how many people uh were, were going to turn up at the festival on all the given days and uh it was quite one quite striking one on the wednesday uh there was sixty four thousand 
431 people in 2022. Their predictions, as of in February at the time, their predictions that the Wednesday crowd was going to be 56,739. So that is down significantly. Um, Thursday was down significantly. Down 12%. And it's going to be, Thursday was going to be down even more even after this as well. I mean, that was that was down from 73,754 to 65,305. And that was that was before the, um, the the train strike was faxing in as well. So uh, I know the crowds have been deliberately kind of like um, downgraded. You know, they are trying to make it a better experience. So they are capping the numbers. But even so, that those those and they are they are a month out of date now. But that that those are the figures where I was giving last month. So yeah. Uh, it sounds like they have got a job to fill. Interesting. Very interesting. As Thomas said, a bit of voting with their feet from the crowds. Uh, we will be... Get, get 10,000 pissed up students in there to bolster the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't we student race night? It's Tony's favourite thing. Uh, finally, Brendan, you can have Rich's question. Who's asked, mm-hmm. Rich asked, last 43 chases, so from Sunday to Saturday in Great Britain, only six had eight or more runners and only one had 10 runners and that was a naught to one two five veterans race. Is this a much bigger issue than the whip for the future of national hunt racing? Well, Rich, given what we've just been discussing all show, I think Brendan's answer might be yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, it, 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 again, there's there's too many races and, and not enough horses. And um, I am coming around to the opinion um, that you, 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 yourself and Kevin so uh, 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 very briefly i've spoken about this before i thought like horse racing was like the opera or show jumping that it was just propped up by rich people and it didn't matter because we can't spend the money anyway but there's a level you can go to where they say i you have to give us something back you know you can't just t- take take we're, we're willing to give you 50 percent, but stop asking for 75 so it, it definitely does seem to be a factor which ties back into the Cheltenham prize money thing but that, that's it anyway it's a problem it's a big problem it's a big problem, all right, as is my video camera on the Zoom calls. So that's good fun, isn't it? <laughs> Every single time. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Um, lads, that about wraps it up, I think. Obviously, we'll be back on Thursday with racing only better uh, ahead of the Betfair Imperial Cup on Saturday. And then we will be diving into all things Cheltenham Festival next week, of course. And in the meantime, on Wednesday, you will have the Cheltenham Festival preview show uh coming your way on all the betfair digital platforms so do stay tuned for that because just as a just as a sign off with a whip um we had a really good point made i can't remember his name actually sorry uh but i'll uh i'll reference it anyway he made the point about the witcher to lineman ride of, of tony mccoy um in 2009 we actually talked about this race because it was in in context of the bad beat for Maljima, uh Obviously, that's been given out on Jockey Club uh, uh, videos and BHA videos as one of the iconic Cheltenham rides. He actually pointed out, and I, I'd never even thought this before, that McCoy actually apparently hit the horse over 20 times. So, And that's been, that's been given out as the ride of, uh, of the Cheltenham Festival history, well, recent history, and it's just a bit of an irony. But I've, I've never ever thought about that ride in context of the whip use before and that probably tells a tale tells a tale but times are changing i think well look 
it's for another day it's for another day tc um but times they are a changing but yes it was chris foley by the way who sent in that which to alignment angle and question to tc and as always viewers and listeners out there we really appreciate all your contributions to the show the feedback the comments and the questions week in week out we love your support but that's it for the love in now we are leaving you stay tuned for racing any better on thursday and of course that cheltenham festival preview show dropping on wednesday on the betfair digital channels but for the time being have a good week gamble responsibly that was weighed in <laughs>